0: Last time on Star Trek
1: Voyager. No! That's right, you can't win. Because you're on the losing side.
2: <sighs> Damn you temporal mechanics, beat me again.
3: I guess Captain Picard day's coming twice this year. Hey, I guess I'll tell Picard. Oh hey, I'm Abraham Lincoln. Those poor
1: unfortunate holes. Oh my.
3: Okay, it's gone silent, They're abusing Ken. May and Trekkies descended on me and tore me limb from limb
1: what's your name and tell me you love Jiz.
3: senpai noticed me well to the bondage closet well sometimes you just gotta stick something in your mouth right ken he really stuck it in there deep he's resisting me
1: are you making sure not to rape her 147 simple rules for dating my ashley judd
4: law 37 don't suck a dick you don't know
3: C- can i get involved in this we can make it a three way i gotta i'll just keep shocking my balls with this taser i got here Zap, ow, zap, ow, zap, (laughs) ow. Hawk up. That's a penis. I've been hiding under these stairs, and I love you. I don't like this dynamic
1: anymore. You no longer entertain me. Be gone. Holy
4: crap, finish this up already.
3: This show makes me fast.
4: And now,
1: the conclusion. All right, let's load up Netflix. download some whiskey
3: you can't download whiskey
2: sure you can right into your mouth
3: well this is it it's the final podcast episode ever
2: the final podcast of the final frontier
3: So we had planned for some time now, uh, at least a couple of months, to have Ken come back and join us for this, our final episode of that one episode of Star Trek, and indeed, our final episode of Superhero Time itself. Um, Guess who didn't show up tonight?
1: Guess who let us down one last time? (laughs) Voyager.
3: I don't know why I expected anything better. Congrats, it's superhero time. (laughs) I'm sure in like two and a half hours I'll get some lame excuse like, oh, I thought we were doing this next week.
2: I was washing my hair.
3: (laughs) Hair? I was sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) My car broke down. My house was on fire. Wah, 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 wah.
2: I went to a diabetic coma.
3: (laughs) 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 I was at dialysis. I
1: didn't want to. (laughs) I told you to never contact me again. The restraining order says... (laughs) Moo. (laughs) It's been a good run. Has it? No. No.
3: No. No. We've been doing this for uh, just about eight years now. Our first episode of Superhero Time was on January the 4th, 2010, if I remember correctly. I'm pretty sure that's right, because that was also my grandmother's birthday, and instead of, you know, doing anything to celebrate that, I was here with some of you assholes. (laughs) Oh my god, that's the most sad thing I've ever heard. Actually, it's not, because she uh, died two months later. Oh my god! (laughs) True story. Uh, She either died right on or right before my aunt's birthday. I'm just going to say that you
1: knew which people were going to be sticking around longer.
3: I mean, to say I'm surprised that you stuck around longer is an understatement, let's let's be honest. Wait, so death was an escape from this? Well, you'll never know there... now, will you, Scott? No, it's too late now. <laughs> you
1: Miss the <your laughs> chance
3: of to... your way out of this. Yeah. <laughs> For all we know, maybe Ken died. I'm not, yeah, sure you, you... group. I'm not sure if um, that would make the jokes sad or funnier.
2: Well, when you hear a high pitched keening through the wind of the trees, you'll know it's him. Or
1: Banshee. <laughs> <laughs> <Yee>! Or Shocker. <laughs> we need Hongo.
3: <sighs> oh boy, eight years.
2: Yeah, that's a long time, and I'm glad I get it on the tail end of it. I got to watch the star die. That was fun. <laughs> I got to watch the, the, the final coughing fit before it finally expired.
3: And evolved I into mean, wheezing.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
1: and the eyes turn into X's. It goes, and falls over. Truly, we were a candle in the wind.
0: Truly, <laughs> uh,
3: we are a fat Riker and Troy existing on a holodeck <laughs> program, looking back at our final mission. These are the voyages of the podcast Superhero Time. And it's going to go about as well as that did.
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. What I like about this is that we, we watched shitty episodes and we watched good episodes. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the mix.
3: We also and we they, watched good shitty episodes. We yes. also watched no, some boring like episodes, it. and I kind of regret that since most of them were my fault.
2: Yeah, those those were the bad ones. <laughs> They're boring ones. We're sitting here just like, come
1: on, something happened. Yeah, those those sucked.
3: <laughs> you know, the bad episodes were the good episodes. And
1: mm-hmm. when I picked a bad episode, typically I still enjoyed it, even if y'all didn't.
3: Yeah, but we, we spared no effort in informing you why you were wrong for enjoying it. That doesn't matter, though.
1: <laughs> None of y'all's opinions have ever mattered to
3: me. <laughs> unless they agree with mine. Chris, then there was that one time you picked that really problematic episode and everybody just kind of felt awkward about it. Yes, well, That
1: just proves that I'm even more fantastic because I'm flawed. <laughs> I make mistakes too. I'm just like you guys, but better. Yeah, he's better, well written than us.
2: <laughs> the writers of this show really put a lot too, too much effort on the Hey Mickey character as opposed to the other one.
3: <laughs> I'm your Ray. <laughs> Well, that's why Giga Beetle always said, hey, Mickey, was his favorite character. Yeah. yeah. Did he? <laughs> yeah, like seven years ago. He changed his mind a lot, though. Yeah. He is Swedish. But I think he always hated Ken, so that was pretty consistent. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if not for Giga Beetle, I don't think we would have had, you know, Ken oil.
1: And we wouldn't have had the Giga Beetle challenge.
3: Right? Right. But for some reason, he stopped doing for us. Well, you know, you can only take so much. We probably took years off his life. We couldn't really risk taking more. Depriving the world of Gigabitle would be a crime. And he contributed so much to our show over the years.
1: Yeah. We knew Gigabitle before he was cool and popular. Yeah. So you're Gigabitle hipsters. Yep. Oh. Well,
3: I like to think of getting in on the Gigabitle ground floor. <laughs>
2: So, so, you're still watching the, uh, the the stock rise where you cash out? Yeah, we supported the GigaBeetle Kickstarter. <laughs> the Patreon. So like,
0: when,
3: uh, so, like, when I followed GigaBeetle originally, I think he had about 300 followers. Uh, today, he has over 5,000.
1: My God, that's all to you. I don't think I even have 300 followers. <laughs> um... I don't think I have followers. However,
3: it didn't work with Bob Cobb. well i mean you have 398 followers mickey oh shit i'm amazing (laughs) so um when i first became aware of bot Cobb, he had i think five or seven followers i forget which but it was an odd number because he's bot Cobb. uh he now has 24 and i take a lot of credit for you know growing his follower number to that level
1: i really appreciate that he's been on twitter for uh well around eight years or so now And he still only follows, like, ten people.
3: Five, actually.
1: Oh, well, he's cut some back then. (laughs) (laughs) Or people have blocked him. Hard to say. Who would block Gigabitle?
2: He's never done anything offensive? Not Gigabitle,
3: Bokkob.
2: Oh, Bokkob. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Because Cobb doesn't care what anybody else has to say. He just wants other people to hear his inanity. Yeah. I'm like... How can he only have twenty-four followers?
3: Are we sure Bach Cobb's not just a Hey Mickey alt? Because when you put it I that, I wish way... I was that.
1: I wish I was that amusing, consistently
3: <laughs> or insane. Well, it, well, that's the thing
1: about Bach Cobb stuff—is it is—it's
2: just like random. Shit, but it's actually like it's so random that it's actually good. You know, it's not just like T. He look at me i on random, it's actually like, Wait, what? What the fuck is he talking about? Oh, yes. Where did that even come from? I mean, it makes you, it gives you an existential crisis reading his tweets, do which is what I do.
3: How did I get mashed potato in my sleeve?
2: Right. <laughs> it, my answer to that was going to be, Well, the last time you wore that shirt was
1: Thanksgiving of last year, so. <laughs> uh, my favorite cop tweet of all time is still. Ow, an ant bit my lip.
3: (laughs) That's what happens when you make out with an ant.
1: I'm cold, but my ice
2: cream is melting. And then angry, sad face.
3: Like, he's like, what is he angry at? (laughs) Yeah. I wonder if flushing more food down the toilet would encourage rat migration and increase local sickness rates until enough people die off that I can get a job in this miserable backwater cesspool of a village.
2: He's asking the practical questions, which is also good.
3: Of course, that was immediately preceded by in this dim lighting I can't tell what's a noodle and what's an onion until it's too late.
1: <laughs> I've been there. Yeah. It's... You know, also throughout our long run, we've had many guest stars. Like uh the Harlem Globetrotters.
3: And uh, Batman and Robin that time?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Didn't they didn't they
2: teach us the importance of Christmas? The true meaning of Christmas?
3: It's buying no. stuff, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I was pretty sure yeah. it's cash. No, it's
1: receiving stuff.
3: <laughs> oh. Because
1: you receive that giving. That means you've like, truly excelled at Christmas.
3: <laughs> well, then I'm an expert.
2: Yeah, you have, to, <laughs> you have to add up the value of everything you bought for other people, and then what you received. And if what you received is greater, then you win.
4: I won! <laughs> I really need to get a bank in this state so I can deposit stuff without buying stamps. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> get a Club Tweet? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What yeah. else That's could even... it be? Yeah, I assume his bank is still in Michigan based on that. God. <sighs> well, maybe not because his bank's
4: address
1: changed. Does his bank not have an app they can like just scan the check and? Probably, if, but he doesn't want to use it because he thinks it sucks.
3: What if he wants to deposit cash?
2: Yeah, you just scan the cash. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> scan the cash and then shred it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so in the uh, last 10 minutes that we've been killing, just you know, talking about the history of the show, Ken still hasn't showed up.
1: Maybe he's here, but his mic is turned off and he doesn't realize it.
3: Oh. No, that would be Paladin. Paladin, are you there? <laughs> <laughs> Type something. We can't I hear you just... if you're talking. Let's bug Paladin and ask him to
1: step on for a moment.
3: <laughs> um, He's not signed on Skype he either.
1: Should... He should be here to...
2: (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't have a microphone, but he's here.
3: (laughs) (laughs) My only regret is that JD didn't get to see the Star Trek podcast. I think he would have enjoyed it. Yeah. Up to a point. He probably
1: would have enjoyed it as much as we did.
3: Well, I mean, sometimes we really have enjoyed this.
1: Yeah, I mid- certainly enjoyed it a lot more than the last half of superhero time.
3: I can agree Oof. with that largely.
2: But why? Why didn't you like it? It was the content you were watching,
1: right? Well, if you watched Toku for eight years, or what it was, I suppose it's like five years, wasn't it? Maybe six. Yeah, it, it all starts to kind of run together and become the same thing all the time. I know that's shocking to think of, you know, Toku doing that, of being repetitive.
3: But the problem really comes up when, like, you know, from year to year for a little bit, there's not really much to, like, distinguish one repetition from the other ones.
1: And then they entered that slump where, like, everything was horrible back-to-back for years at a time, with occasional high points.
3: I think that's what I was just describing. Yeah. So, you know. But build good.
1: We started basically at sort of the high point of all of it.
3: Yeah,
1: <laughs> you well, had to watch it die before your eyes.
3: The only the <laughs> only way we could have started at a higher point is if we would have somehow been able to start with Goanjer.
1: Yeah, basically. Yeah. Or Deno.
3: Yeah, that so like we would end up going like from Deno into Goanjer, and then, well, after that was Kiva. Huh. <clears throat> I don't know if we would have survived Kiva and Decade back to back.
0: Oh, well, but we had
3: go on during Shinkinger during that. Which I still don't like Shinkenger,
1: but I acknowledge that it's a good show.
3: <laughs> Shinkenger took until they introduced Shinken Gold for me to really like catch on with it.
1: My biggest problem was that I just I hated Takaru. Like he was actively unlikable to me. Not like in a lucky way, it was like just fuck this dick. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, but he was that way to everybody, so
1: yeah, but, like, just, I maybe, wonder a question, like, why doesn't everybody leave his stupid ass behind?
3: Ah, uh, Well, they can't. He's the boss.
1: Then they can quit. Or fire him. <laughs> or get uh, the real Red to show up.
3: Well, no, you have to wait and hold out for the last arc of the show for that. Not that it wouldn't have been interesting if that was there from the start. But, you know, they'll they'll never do that because Toei and Japan and girls.
0: Yep.
2: Well, of course, I wasn't here for any of the Toku stuff, but at least as far as Star Trek goes, I couldn't realize that so much of Star Trek is exactly the same. There wasn't a whole lot of variation in a lot of the stuff. So it kind of actually makes me appreciate Discovery more because it's so different. <laughs>
3: Yeah, and just think, that comes back uh, this weekend, right? So uh, we won't have a podcast anymore to even discuss it with. So enjoy.
1: Oh, I'll still be shouting at the computer with y'all not connected. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you, you could always
2: replace this with alcohol, though, so that, that works out.
3: Yeah, just, you know, draw little faces and paste them on the bottles.
2: Right. This is my new friend, Jim. Jim Beam. <laughs> It's this is, this is my friend Tito. He's vodka. <laughs> There's my bud, light. <laughs> and, you know, et cetera,
3: et cetera. Now you get bud, you get bud Light in the can.
2: I, uh, I've i never put it there. But,
3: uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, whatever it takes to get drunk, man. It's
3: faster, yeah, that, after- right?
2: Yeah, as I've heard. So after listening to the Planet Africa podcast and listening to you guys talk about that, it's like, oh, I have got to be a part of this.
3: You know, that's probably a fairly unique reaction to that episode.
2: Well, yeah, I mean just just like, wait, you're actually gonna like tear apart bad Star Trek episodes? Oh oh yes.
1: <laughs> this is I still something maintain that the Planet Africa is probably one of our best episodes. And yeah, especially so. a great one to start the podcast off on. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah.
3: No, I think at some point we probably did toss around the idea of starting with that one episode of Voyager, since we were calling the show that one episode of Star Trek. But it just seemed like it was, you know, like spoiling the ending, literally.
1: Well, it's more mm-hmm. in our nature to deny what we should be doing.
3: Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I don't even I don't know if we talked about this, but I'm pretty sure I made the realization very close to the start of doing this that whenever we would get to the point of the natural end of the show, that's when we would do Threshold because there's really no other way to end this on except for the most infamously bad episode of Star Trek ever.
1: Oh, arguably. And it it is living up to that expectation. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So this is episode one hundred. We will be wrapping up the podcast after tonight. And we have watched Threshold. That one episode of Voyager from Season 2. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that one where they...
2: Yeah, the one they turn into salamanders, and it's just weird.
3: Salamanders. Salamanders!
1: (laughs) I don't know. Is that what Ken sounds like? I guess. So, um, (laughs) for those of you just joining us now in progress, that one episode of Voyager is an old holdover joke from JD.
3: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Being that, if you say to anyone... Oh, that one episode of Voyager. Nine (laughs) out of ten times, they're going to guess the one with the salamanders? Yep.
2: Yeah, the one one where they go warp (laughs) ten. And that makes them evolve into salamanders.
3: Well, way to give away the ending.
2: Yeah, not feeling too guilty about it. (laughs) Scott. Yeah.
3: Next thing you'll be telling us there's a purple space Hulk in Star Wars. God damn it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so for those of you more.
1: I'll be in the power chamber in the basement. <laughs> so for
2: for those of you who have not seen uh the episode Threshold of Voyager, Why congratulations.
3: Me... <laughs> and that that's all I wanted to say about that.
2: <laughs> You're doing all right
3: in life. Yeah, you've made better life choices than the rest of us. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If if there's ever a
2: moment you need to consider, like, if you're doing better than other people,
3: you are. I mean, just the experience of having seen Threshold at some point in your life is not necessarily a mark against you. Because at this point in season two of Voyager, it still wasn't, like, flat out that Voyager was a terrible show. Because it was still pretty early. And, you know, when Threshold was first run, nobody could have known how awful and stupid and just, you know, audience insulting the whole exercise was going to be.
1: The thing is that Threshold is bad beyond just the service badness. It's also bad because it's a terribly written episode that doesn't really hold together narratively. Right. It's just sort of a train wreck of things happening. Mm Mm-hmm. For, for no fucking reason.
3: Which really makes it a good analog for the podcast as a whole.
2: Yeah. See, episodes like this always remind me of the Wren Stimpy cartoon, where Stimpy made a cartoon, and it was just like... <laughs> now we're on a plane! Now we're <laughs> on a plane! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Beat me to it. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and that's when this episode is like, now we're doing this. Now this is happening.
1: It's like, oh, okay. I guess we're just along for the ride here. All right. going to happen anytime or fire yeah, strikes back scenario where things just happen back to back.
2: Right. I mean, I guess it's fun if you just kind of like don't blink and have your mouth gape open and go unconscious, but is
3: you know, kind that's... Of, is, yeah, it's kind of like if you take <clears throat> the last 20 minutes and the first 20 minutes of two parts of a two part episode and put them together and just represent that as an episode. It, yeah. does, it does kind of have that, like, bridge of a story issue going on.
1: Oh, Jesus, Webb, can you imagine if this was a two-parter? <laughs> <laughs> this was the payoff with salamanders? Imagine if this
2: story was drug out over two hours. Yeah. Now, this, yeah, this was a, a season cliffhanger, so you had to wait, like, you know, all summer to see how it got resolved, and this is the best they could come up with.
3: So Okay, so if this had been a season-ending cliffhanger, what would have been the cutoff point?
2: Uh, probably the I first said, time Paris dies. Yeah.
1: Yep.
3: Or would it have been like right after he came back to life.
2: No, no, it would have been better to have the character die because that that way you would wonder, well, surely they wouldn't kill one of the characters. Then you'd be reading all the stuff, you know, like a TV guy going, "Oh, he's he's going to be here for the next season." Like, oh, well, he can't be dead. And then you'd be talking about it to your dumbass dorky friends all summer about it. <laughs> Except
1: this is Voyager, and they will not be comp enough to do the correct cliffhanger ending.
2: That's true.
1: <laughs> they would do it when he uh, falls down uh, from the table in the mess hall. Like, Before you see the blue veins on him, you say, I don't feel good, he'd fall down, and then say, To be continued. Dun, dun, dun.
2: <laughs> it could be food poisoning. <laughs> he could have a gluten allergy. <laughs> So the other thing that's shitty about this episode, as all the things you just mentioned, but also contradicts existing Star Trek canon and makes no sense in the context of
1: Star Trek as a whole. On top of that, it contradicts existing theories like of evolution. Yes. Actual science it contradicts. Right. That they did
2: have in the
4: mid-90s, so they have no excuse. It contradicts basic human body anatomy. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about
4: <laughs> <laughs> like how how is he allergic to the water in the coffee <laughs> well, maybe he's made mostly of water <laughs> well, maybe she's he, raw water yeah, yeah He
2: he is he an ugly <laughs> bag of mostly water
3: He's allergic to fresh water, not salt water. There is water <laughs> in the air!
1: What
4: is coffee, then? Yeah. <laughs> <Dang> that coffee. <laughs> the beans are just brewed by being in a peat bog for a couple hundred years. <laughs> and the only reason B'Elanna's fine is uh, because of the redundant organs.
3: Yeah, she lost two stomachs drinking that cup of coffee.
1: <laughs> Your mom I has redundant think- organs. <laughs> She's got multiple penises in her
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh god yeah there's other
2: scenes in this is like why didn't they uh, okay so even in this we'll, we'll get to it I'm sure but like even when he's dying they know what's happening and no one comes to see him and in any other Star Trek oh, I like, thought the captain will be down there I... and like okay who would this is Tom Paris well I know but there's still people that like you know might show up at least to laugh at him that's for their money back it owes me twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This whole episode is just an absolute train wreck, and it
3: is. It deserves He's every bit. Where they don't have to listen to him. <laughs> Mickey, why don't you drive tonight? Since it's our last show.
1: Hooray! Oh, fine.
3: <sighs>
1: All right. So here we go. And as we go, Paris is going very fast in a shuttle. Um, he's cranked her up to warp seven. And he starts blabbing some nonsense about the transwarp drive is going to engage. And I'm questioning, what, so they put the engine from the Excelsior on the shuttle? How is that an upgrade? <laughs> yeah.
3: It's got more
1: complicated plumbing.
3: It didn't even work on the Excelsior. It didn't even
1: take them back in time and
4: crash on ancient earth.
3: I don't I'm like the 5 his... ancient
2: China. <laughs> <laughs> I like the back of his headrest has blinkies though. What are those for, I wonder. Like what do you adjust on the back of a headrest?
3: They're uh, the inertial support. stabilizers.
2: There you go.
1: They hold your bowels from evacuating. They stabilize <laughs> them. God, I wish I had that. That'd no, be awesome. inertial
3: stabilizers, not intestinal stabilizers. although an intestinal stabilizer sounds like a great idea
2: Mm mm-hmm, almost as much fun as Tom Pair's dying in a shuttle explosion
1: yeah so as he cranks her up to warp 10 um, the nacelles rip off and he blows up in a fiery death alright good episode guys we're done (laughs) which that would be a super great way to have a cold open but no surprise they're in a holodeck (laughs) thanks for resolving all the tension Temblada helpfully informs him that he's dead so
3: you okay. know that episode of next generation uh cause and effect. How would it have mm-hmm. been if they had the cold open have the enterprise blow up and then immediately jump to the earlier part of the time loop and you know have them cruising in like nothing had happened and then go go to the credits? yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, let's build so, up tension and then destroy it needlessly. Good job,
1: yes, so as the holiday program shuts down, the question I I'm immediately faced was, what are Bellana and Kim looking at during the simulation?
3: The outside of the shuttle,
1: like, are they like floating in space, just like next to them?
3: I think they're standing Uh, in space, but yeah. Or is like the the holodeck just
1: centered and projecting around Paris? So, like, do they see a shuttle sitting there in the bay, or is it just got a wall of hologram in front of them?
3: A wall of hologram in front of them. So, a hologram. Yes. A a wallogram. What does the backside of a hologram look like? Is this is a riddle. I don't like these. <laughs> yeah, it always make me, me feel dumb. What does the sound of one photon clapping?
2: But <laughs> well, we do uh, get some. In- yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that I do like the next scene just because we get to do some uh, high quality insulting of uh, of Neelix.
3: I just don't like the way the uh, the shuttle explosion thing was put together. Cause like if I had been directing that i would have made sure to include uh paris falling on his ass when his chair disappeared
2: just <laughs> sitting on the ground like nothing around him yeah so so yeah not only did they like take away the shuttle and all that stuff they took away this chair he was sitting in what a bunch of jerks
3: yeah. i might have even gone as far as to not just have him fall down but have the force of the simulated explosion fling him across the room <laughs> <laughs> kathunk <laughs> Perhaps with uh, with Torres and Kim in the background and their heads just turn as he flies by. <laughs> <laughs> they're fairly uninterested because it's like the sixth or seventh time they've seen it happen. It was really funny the first time. Now they're just kind of getting bored with it.
2: <laughs> That's just sad.
3: <laughs> also, in a more realistic sense, when Torres says at the end of the cold open, you're dead, I really feel like that should have been followed up with again. <laughs> just like okay. to give the impression that they've been doing this for a while this isn't their first attempt
1: except judging from what they talk about uh this is a problem they solved in a month yeah we'll 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 get to that part <laughs> but uh first okay. uh it's kitchen time yeah so the trio is in the mess hall uh discussing how they're having a hard time with this whole warp 10 problem
3: you know, this it's thing just... that physicists have been wrestling with for probably 50, 80 years, something like that. Uh,
1: Probably more than that. Ever since Warp got started, they probably have been working on on, on this. But they've been studying it for about a month now, and they're just <laughs> a little flustered by the problem of why isn't this working?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they act like the college students working on a thesis is how they're acting. Gosh, I know if we just put a little bit more time into it, we can figure out this whole Warp 10 problem. <laughs> Yeah, you know, on a starship in the middle of fucking nowhere, no resources or scientists.
1: This is
3: the like, Silicon... maybe that's
1: supposed to make us think that they're really smart, but really to make us think they're really stupid.
3: This feels like the Silicon Valley of Starfleet right now.
1: It's all marketing.
2: Yeah, they they don't have a product. They don't have to market Warp Ten. That's what it is.
3: Yeah, we have our marketing campaign down. Now we just need to like bring in some focus groups to figure out what we're going to sell. Exactly. <laughs>
2: Uh, I'm in California. That's reality here.
4: <laughs> yeah, right. we are. We already know what we're going to sell. Now we just need to figure out how the heck is it going to work.
1: Yeah. You really don't have to figure that out at all. It doesn't have to work. You just have to sell it.
3: Yeah. It's, uh, look, yeah. At, look at Mighty Number no. Nine.
1: Oh, jeez. <laughs>
0: I'd
3: Warp, rather not. Warp wow ten is Mighty Number no. Nine.
1: So as the trio is discussing their problems, uh, Neelix saunters up and says, hey guys, what you doing? Need a little (laughs) help? I need to be in this
3: episode too.
1: Which, actually, I think Neelix is kind of the high point of this episode. Uh, I agree. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because he's in that sweet spot of um, trying to be helpful, but no one really likes him. But he kind of is aware of it for one of the rare times. Like, uh huh, yeah, fuck off for a second.
2: <laughs> yeah, and he has to do that patient thing where he kind of swallows and goes, Okay, I know that I'm not in Starfleet, but I can still help you. You still have to treat me like a person. Yeah, he does this, like, has this take this deep breath and talk inwardly for a second so he doesn't murder everybody. Yeah. That's <laughs> giving him shit. It's like, No, I get that. Just let me talk for a second.
1: <laughs> so Neil's idea is. Well, I lost a warp nacelle once, and it was caused by something tearing off the warp nacelle. I don't see how that applies here, Neelix, you fucking (laughs) retard. I know that. It's an example.
2: (laughs) A simile. A metaphor. No, Neelix, it's not exactly what we're talking about, and you're an idiot. You have spots. (laughs)
3: Although this does seem fairly emblematic of uh, Starfleet training and, you know, critical thinking processes. If this does not apply one-to-one to the situation we're dealing with, it has absolutely no bearing on the problem we're trying to solve.
1: Yeah. So, a smash cut to three seconds later and Kim goes, hey, wait a second, I've got an idea. No, it's, it's worse than that. It was Paris. Well, what if the nacelles are coming off the shuttle?
2: No, even better, what if the shuttle is coming off of the nacelles? <laughs> oh, thanks for reframing it, you cocks. So all this was predicated though. He does mention, and this is the only mention of this, by the way, this whole episode is predicated on the fact that they found some new form of dilithium in an asteroid field last month. So that that was the that, that was the whole thrust of this entire episode, was that, and they just gloss over it in
1: a single sentence. Yeah. So they've discovered dilithium, like, zero sugar or something. It's Stevia version of...
3: 93 octane yeah. dilithium.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Neelix is like, you know, I am a space person, too. I've flown on spaceships.
1: I have I know how to do this. I, I was even an engineer for two weeks. Right. I've got just as much experience to handle this Warp 10 thing as you do. <laughs> That's I so mean,
3: true. literally, that is true. Yeah. Experientially, he is every bit as qualified. Okay.
1: The Warp 10 problem we're supposed to buy that this impossible theoretical physics impossibility is solved because they found a new type of gasoline. Yeah. That was the missing ingredient. Actually,
3: no, it's not even the gasoline, they found a new form of carburetor. (laughs) because <laughs> yeah. lithium is not the fuel source it's the thing that makes the fuel work right that's okay.
1: true yes we're supposed to buy the, that's the key <laughs> to existing everything in the universe simultaneously is a new carburetor yep yeah now was warp 10
4: before this stated to be essentially infinite velocity no yes
3: no sure what
2: yeah, yeah. Warp ten's always been infinite speed. They, they never,
3: never they it in the show. Or yeah, they never in, explained uh, that serious. in the show, and I'm not sure that was actually a thing in the tech manuals before this either. Yeah, but, it was that sure was, it was
1: in the generation uh, tech manual. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so I'll have to is,
3: on that, but
1: yeah,
2: I'm
4: I'm 99 sure. That, yeah,
2: warp ten has always been we, infinite speed.
4: Now, how is infinite velocity existing, being in every point of the universe at once, rather than at Every point on a line at once.
2: Well, because
1: space is three dimensional.
3: Unless you're con. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Except oh, uh, space might not be three dimensional. It might be two dimensional. Oh, don't.
2: We're not going to holograph theory right now. No. Why not? No, we're not getting the fucking time cube or whatever bullshit you believe in.
4: But it applies.
2: <laughs> it sure does.
4: Look, you never find the ships up. <clears throat> You always find the ships in the same orientation to each other unless, like, one's damaged and offline.
2: Oh,
1: sure. You'd be for alternate orientations. (laughs) Alternate (laughs) orientations are the best orientations, dammit. Fuck off with your straight nonsense.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, galactic plane and that's it. (laughs) My daddy did it, and his daddy before him. We all flew <laughs> in the same galactic plane. Well, some,
1: some of us tr-
3: like crashing around in nebulas sideways, maybe. <laughs> what is it that? <laughs> no, fucking hipsters. I'm just saying, driving along the galactic plane <laughs> is how Troy crashes into planets. <laughs> do you want to be like Troy? <laughs> well,
2: well, that's just a woman drive. That's a whole different. Things. That's a whole different thing. <laughs> fuck also, Bellana, being the engineer who you know should know most most about warp theory, is sent to go get cookies for herself, and then Neelix takes her place and figures this out. And she comes uh-huh. back, and she—that's
1: <laughs> a problem. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Okay, well, first of all, uh is not really an engineer; she's like a, a garage mechanic that somehow filled the role. That's true.
2: She—you know her, like she'd wear like a greasy uniform with like a name and an oval instead of a com badge. Yeah, she's mucky.
3: Well, she went to the Academy for two years studying engineering, so I mean, she has background in it.
2: No, she was studying
1: engineers. That was different.
3: Uh (laughs) Also, uh, Kim's an ensign.
1: Yeah. And he's solving this problem.
3: Yeah. Also, Tom, Tom Paris is a uh, you know, ex-convict, and he's also solving this problem.
2: Yeah, he's a felon.
3: He's an ex-convict, and by all accounts, kind of an idiot, and he's solving this problem. But, he is a pretty
1: good director, so maybe there's that.
3: Well, everybody needs to find their calling.
2: Yeah, he didn't direct this episode, y'all.
3: <laughs> well, how would he have had time having to, you know, go through all the prosthetics? <laughs>
1: Ugh, this episode. Alright, so, briefing time. They've All solved right. the problem somehow. Uh, they're going to reinforce the shuttle so it doesn't break. Oh, genius, guys.
3: Boy, it took uh, consulting with Neelix to figure that out?
1: Yeah, so I guess they go back to the
2: simulation first, and they do it, and then it works. That's I right. think they
3: should just jump straight to a manned space flight. Like not even bother trying the uh, updated simulation. Just like, no, nah, this is probably fine. Let's just go fly it.
2: Yeah, but they gotta go ask Janeway though. So it's always a crapshoot if she, whatever mood she's in that day. <laughs> Who's writing me today? I, I don't know. Either she's gonna like you know force choke somebody with a black gloved hand, or she'll be <laughs> like all, or she'll be all motherly and supportive. I don't know.
1: Just like a woman. <laughs> Emotional, God. unpredictable,
3: I mean, sometimes you get both of the breasts day, and too. vaginas.
1: Oh my
2: God, lipstick. Fort Max is going to kill all of us by the end of this episode.
4: <laughs> I've somehow managed to not kill anyone yet.
2: I mean, I'm mean uh, i not sure how
3: and, That's and, gonna look, be a better person than we are <laughs>
4: We have
2: forty minutes left.
3: look, Fort Max has gone eight years doing this with us on an almost every week basis. Fort Max has been here more reliably than any of the rest of us. I want to point that out first. And oh, yeah. In all that time, no one has been killed by Fort Max. I'm not saying nobody's died, but it hasn't been Fort Max's fault that we can prove.
1: Can yeah, Well, yeah, can you prove that, though? Yeah, <laughs> I like that little caveat oh, you put on the end. Very slick. If we check the records, though, of going up to there.
3: Oh, yeah. Not that
4: am prove something. I that would that would have required. I'm going up to JD's. Would have required me to take 35 on the way to Tulsa. Oh, here we go.
2: Which we know
4: isn't happening. <laughs> yeah, we're all
1: aware. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> all right, so um, Jane Way's meeting here. Uh, she basically to pat on the back of. Good job, fellas! You solved this impossible problem that was thought to be just science fucking fiction. But you did it in a month. Ha <laughs> ha! Fucking goddamn month. Because <laughs> they not even try to like write something believable? Like we've been at here for seven months, and you finally got this working? Nope.
3: No, just a month. That carburetor sure is something. All right, so what?
4: What? Of course, the most one of the most Voyager things is that uh, they had to change that uh, during per, that uh, they had to change uh, which shuttlecraft they were using because the one they were originally going to use got blown up in an earlier episode.
3: <laughs> Good continuity there, guys.
2: <laughs> it's always been Voyager' strong suit. Uh, Blowing up shuttles, yeah, yeah, (laughs) and and firing photon torpedoes that they run out of all Uh the time. They keep firing them full spread. They
3: launched with fifty three photon torpedoes.
2: Yeah, you know, you'd figure somebody would have written that down somewhere so future writers could reference it. Nah.
3: Although one thing apparently they did keep consistent with more or less was the uh, crew compliment as people were killed off during the course of the show.
1: That's that's weird. They would care about that and not everything else. I know, right? And they start picking up, you know. Hitchhikers along the way. Oh, that's true. And and they bring diseases
4: and occasionally uh, war criminals.
3: <laughs> Additional war criminals,
1: <laughs> not just
3: Janeway and Borg babies.
1: Those will simulate your dreams come true. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my God. <laughs>
0: oh
2: no, here comes Nanny.
1: Borg nanny. Yeah. <laughs> Imagination is futile. <laughs> it's... Uh, back to the right, so in history. the meeting here uh, Chakotay pipes up with well maybe I should have some dialogue and say maybe this is
3: a bad idea science right always negative bad things happen <laughs> is his science or more like morality
1: whichever <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah science morality is all interchangeable
1: basically Chakotay's position is um, I'm anti-progress because I'm one with nature <laughs> yes. Luddite let's not progress. It's dangerous. Let's go back to spirit animals. Yeah. Back in my day, Warp 5 was good enough for us. His anyways response is, eh, we'll be fine.
3: The Federation's never done anything wrong. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, new technology she, has never been abused. I like how she,
2: like, she thinks that. She takes a sip of coffee and smugly smiles thinking, I'm going to be a great Admiral one day. <laughs> i'm gonna be the best admiral
1: <laughs> i'll be promoted higher than that guy who found the sona <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> and so she says there's no way to put the genie back in the bottle even if he rubbed them the right way <laughs> so she says all right well you're gonna join an elite group of pilots orville wright neil armstrong Zephram Cochran. Yep, he was um, a pilot. Paris responds, I like the way that sounds. Zephram Cochran. I'll change my name to that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good name.
2: Who fucking names your kid Zephram? Have you ever met a Zephram?
1: I didn't think so. So later on, uh, Janeway goes to visit Paris in his quarters after hours yeah this Ooh, is a bit well. of foreshadowing i feel like it certainly is <laughs> what the fuck is paris wearing it's like not quite a bathrobe not quite a dashiki um...
0: <laughs> Dashiki.
1: it's a moo. it's a man-man <laughs> it is kind of a moo, but on a skinny person yeah so it's a man-man so it's a moo for a dude
3: Look, the the point we're dancing around here is that Tom Paris is not wearing any pants.
1: He's very much not wearing pants, and yeah. probably not underwear because there's no underwear in space. Right. Yeah. No need for it. Goli would choke you.
3: Shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if uh, you think your underwear me. rides up bad under gravity, just wait.
1: Yeah. Bras in, a bra right around your neck, just tragic. That's what happened to Sally Ride? <laughs> I don't think this is
2: exactly what happened to Sally, right?
1: Wait, no, she, she was on challenge. That was uh, the teacher. What's her name? Um, yeah. Uh, Mary Todd. That was it. Yes.
0: Anyway, uh, so... was that Jane Abraham Abraham Lincoln's wife?
1: <laughs> Quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so, generally, was dropping out to say, oh... This is so great, I know you're really excited, but um, you appear to have a slight case of eczema, so I can't let you go.
3: Well, it, it's better than that. Like, she comes by specifically to say, the doctor doesn't want you to go. The doctor doesn't really like you, and he thinks this glory is just going to go to your head.
2: Yeah, he's looked for an excuse to have you not fulfill your dream as a person. That actually probably is reading between the lines pretty accurate. <laughs> Because, you know, he heard about this, like, oh, well, let me just look through his medical records. Doot, doot, doot. Oh, look, he
1: has a thing now.
2: Because <laughs> who's going to check the records? There's no other medical officers on the
1: ship. And see... So I can't leave this room, and he gets to exist at every point of the universe at once. <laughs> well.
3: <laughs> well, fuck that guy. And see, the, the beauty of this is, too, that Harry is the next one in line to do it, and nobody cares what happens to Harry Kim. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, that might lose a shuttle, though, so... <laughs> and the shuttle
1: has a name that people remember. Oh. <laughs>
3: it's not like they don't always have more shuttles.
1: The shuttle outranks him. Yeah, it does. It's been around longer. <laughs> Lieutenant Shuttle.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, so uh Paris basically throws a hissy fit of no, I wanted to be famous.
3: Yeah, um I found this to not be very compelling. <laughs>
2: So, yeah, there's like a 2% chance he could have to scratch his nose during the flight. So, nope, drop <laughs> the list. Well, that eczema, it's really active. You might have to scratch yourself while you're doing important calculations on the L cars, and we just can't have that.
3: I mean, like, this this hissy fit, his tantrum he throws about this, I really wanted Jamie to just get up and slap him.
2: <laughs> Push him down so his robe goes flying up.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody needs to see that. It's
2: Taishiki. <laughs>
3: Yeah, because basically, I mean, he only tries to steer it to, like,
1: no, this is about my personal growth and my redemption arc. <laughs> like, you can almost see that Janeway roll her eyes, like, fine, I'll go along with this well, being written this way. What I don't like is, like, he's like, this is my flight.
2: And then Janeway has the audacity to get all offended,
1: by it. what do you mean, your
2: flight? Well, considering that he's the pilot, he's the one who came up with the idea, he's the one that's been working on this. Yeah, it kind of is his fucking flight. <laughs> I don't understand Except why she. That's
1: not, a, that's not a Starfleet thing to do, though. Starfleet is oh, working for the team. God. There are no individuals in Starfleet. We're only all a col- collective. Yeah, we're only a collective, right? <laughs> Deep,
3: Deep Space Deep. Nine taught me that.
1: See, what Jimmy should have done is like, I can't let you take this risk. That's why I'm doing it myself. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs>
2: Well, see, it's been so long since I've seen this episode, I was trying to remember how she even got tangled up in it, because I remember there being two the salamanders, and Janeway was one of them, and I remember kind of like the, the basics, like, wait, how did that
1: happen to her? But yeah, you Well, know, well that's was... a whole other kettle of bad writing we'll get to. If this oh, was yes.
3: like season five or onward, it would have been Janeway in the shuttle.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, or seven of nine. Both. Yeah.
3: <laughs> then you have had like a half-borg salamander. <laughs>
1: Alright, so, here we go. Let's hit Warp 10.
3: They still have had had, uh, like, quarter Borg, salamander babies, though, because, you know, life finds a way.
1: <laughs> no. Machine finds a way. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, Paris is accelerating up to speed. He's slowly stepping on that gas pedal. Oh shit, I gotta take off the parking brake. Okay, now we can go. Voyager's falling as best as it can, bless its heart.
3: Well it has a top speed of warp nine point nine seven five, so I should be able to keep up for quite a while.
1: Uh yeah, no shit. <laughs> Except uh later on in the episode they have a problem of hitting nine point nine five.
3: Yeah, um the nine point nine seven five top speed was actually always a like either a typo or just a general concept mistake. Uh like, that's fucking fast. It was supposed to be just like nine point seven five, which is still fucking fast, but not like ludicrously three decimal places fast.
2: Yeah, because we when on a logarithmic scale like that, you start putting like even one decimal point, it means you're like hundreds of times faster.
1: Yeah. How much did Voyager have got home at that speed? Nine point nine seven
2: five?
1: I don't know. Do the math right now, that'll be entertaining.
2: <laughs> okay, well everyone, hold on.
3: Askable from Alpha it probably knows.
1: <laughs> 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 Well the real answer is that Jamie would have stalled them until it took them seventy years.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the real trip might have only taken forty five years, but she would have been making detours since you know, we got lots of time. The ship goes really fast. We can make up the time later.
1: I can't break the prime directive and drive through this person's yard.
3: <laughs> well what if he what if she wants to go get some raw water? <laughs>
2: She just scoops out deuterium and tells people it's raw water. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of is in a way. It's, it I
1: mean, tells you without all the filtering, <laughs> right? It's the simplest substance there is.
2: I mean, It's fucking deuterium. It's a type of hydrogen.
1: Yeah. Okay, so here we go. Warp ten. And is it exciting and amazing to look at? <sighs> no. Yeah i i get this I get to see the crew in close up, smile slightly. And then let's introduce some bad science while we're at it. Sure. So, Paris has crossed the threshold and warped in Warp um, 10. They still have him on their scanners and they're still talking to him. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, if he exists at every point in the universe simultaneously, then he's always within radio range.
1: Until he l- gets out of range.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So what the fuck is it? Make up your
3: mind. <laughs> And, you know, I can kind of understand not being able to maybe conceptualize a visual effect to convey the idea of transitioning to Warp 10. Which, at that point, they probably should have just kept everything to an internal view from Voyager, not even had, like, Paris in the shuttle as a cutaway. Like, if you're going to do this just based on reactions and dialogue, you need to, like, fully commit to that.
2: Voyager fully committing to something? (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Oh, you... (laughs)
1: They should have found some way to, like, you know, the Enterprise stretching effect. Just do that to extremes until it becomes non-coherent. Well, yeah, it becomes like a two-dimensional line. That'd be awesome. Uh, But, you know what does have an effect? Of him leaving Warp 10. <laughs> which is basically him skidding to a stop, like he's in a fucking El Camino. <laughs>
3: Paris would totally have a La Cucaracha horn. <laughs> Probably
2: has one on the on the uh Delta Flyer. <laughs> the he built first, that himself, one, you the first
3: one, the second one, or the third one.
2: Yes. I yeah. I mean clearly.
3: <laughs> how wait, they went through three Delta Flyers? I think so.
2: As in Flyer, as in those cheap pieces of paper
1: they hand out to you on the sidewalk. That's how That's... disposable they were.
3: Yeah, that seems about right. <laughs>
1: Alright, so the shuttle shows up again, and Tom Paris is unconscious. Darn. So, um, they retrieve the shuttle, they get him to sickbay. And
3: then, probably the best single part of the whole episode happens. <laughs>
2: yes! <laughs> it's the only shining moment in this entire episode. So the
3: doctor is rattling off his condition to Janeway, and <laughs> sums up by saying, essentially, he's asleep. Can you wake him up? Sure. Wake up! Yeah. I
1: would put money on that was an ad lib from Robert Picardo. I've been through a script that he uses a hyperspray, and he's had this great idea like I'm just gonna yell at him because yeah, he's just asleep
2: oh, fucking brilliant what well, I mean what a perfect example of the doctor? yeah, oh, brilliant.
3: It's all downhill from here, yeah, the only real good writing is
4: pretty much. The Doctor, as usual, was
2: ad-libbed, so it wasn't even the writing. (laughs) We're not even going to give him credit for the writing. That was ad-libbed by Picardo.
4: And, uh, of course, uh, Paris, when he's being a complete and utter asshole to everyone. Yeah. So, when he's being Paris? Well, when he's being... Well, the full Paris... The so full Paris. Is that like the full
1: Monty? That sounds dirty. <laughs> <laughs> what if it's like sort of half Paris? Like, you know, Paris is just slightly chubby. You. <laughs> not like how he is now, fully chubby.
2: <laughs> Age makes fools of
4: us all. i oh. like, okay, Paris in the best uh, hall, not being incredibly mean, uh, Yeah, there is assholishness there, but... His uh, some of the later comments. Uh, in when he's uh, in uh, bay. Those are real asshole.
1: So Paris is waking up, and Jamie's like, "So, how was it, my little
2: explorer?
1: Do you still have a functioning brain after being stretched across every simultaneous point of the universe?" And he's like, "Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah." <laughs>
2: I saw a bunch of stuff all at once, you know, because I was everywhere at once, just like we all, we established at the beginning of the episode. I so
4: saw it, the outside of the ship at the same time as the inside of the ship, and myself, and I even saw this room, and I saw your room, and I saw inside your clothes.
2: And you were there, Auntie M, and you were there, Doc Brown. And somehow uh-huh. this is all coherent to me. Yeah. He was back home, he was talking to Klingons, other galaxies. Okay. Because the human mind could, you know, absorb that on any level whatsoever. Sure.
3: Yeah. You know, as I consider, I this, guess because a... apparently
4: <clears> infinite <throat> velocity is infinite velocity in every single direction, even the opposite of the direction
3: you're trying to go. Well,
2: you are not trying to go anywhere. You're already there. That's how fast you are. You're already everywhere.
3: You know, the universe is just a loop. So if you go far enough forward, you just come back around. And if you're off uh, a little bit, oh, I don't think and... just go with. So uh,
4: why don't they just go the other way? If it's like the if it's like uh, Star Fox sixty four multiplayer,
3: <laughs> I was the gonna say the, <laughs> yeah, I was
2: gonna say it's more like the background of a Flintstones cartoon.
3: <laughs> no, there there's a more fundamental problem though. Like they don't ever say the shuttle becomes like intangible during this process, and if it's occupying every physical space in the universe at once, shouldn't it be hitting everything?
2: Yeah, black holes and stars and that magnetars. Your dish is for <laughs>
3: <laughs> magnetars. I caught like one of those in Pokemon. <laughs> magnetar, magnetar. So, what really should have happened when he engaged Warp Ten for the first time is the entire universe be destroyed.
4: God, that'd been nice.
3: Or at least or at least just
4: yeah, the entire line of the universe being destroyed.
3: Yeah, whatever as long as there's this nice visualization of this swath of like unlimited destruction.
1: Well, uh, Fort max, you seem to be really horny for this idea of flying in a straight line. That's the straightest thing I've ever heard from Fort max.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but what if Paris, like you know, didn't have the alignment just right? Though, like if it had a, it tilted to the left a little bit well
4: i know okay it would but it still at least wouldn't it would be in the direction it was going not backwards because <laughs> i need a logarithmic scale at infinity it's going to be either positive or negative not both
1: but the universe exists in a taurus right mm, That's so know it. <laughs> there's another pokemon reference for you there Ha. Huh? <laughs> God damn That's Pokemon. how you know it's superhero time. <laughs> Fucking
2: Pokemans.
1: Alright, so uh, Paris feels fine. The Doctor wants to run some tests. Blah blah blah. Who cares? <laughs> uh, oh, now for the the second best part of the episode. Uh, so Blana and Paris are having coffee with Neelix. <sighs> and Neelix says, I named this coffee after you. Paris so, you responds know- <laughs> Thanks, that's really flattering. <laughs> you, know, you basically see like, Nielus, like grumble, like, fuck off, turd, and he storms away. Yeah. Like, Neelich is fully aware that Tom Harris is being ungrateful. Yeah, really,
2: and being a dick about it, too. Although, in fairness, the coffee he made was kind of like, so have you guys heard of civet coffee on Earth? It's kind of like that. I, <laughs> ate, I ate the beans myself.
1: <laughs> Here you go, Tom. <gasps>
2: Galaxian poop coffee.
1: I put it through a French press. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I put it through a French whore. Oh, yeah, they would mention something like that the shuttle picked up like 50 billion giga quads of data or something all about the universe and something like that. Yeah, like, the, so they or... said
1: stellar cartography. Yeah. Not astrometrics.
4: Right. Well, astrometrics didn't exist yet.
3: Yeah, they built that in season four.
0: Yeah, and
2: there's well, like no where... it
1: existed. They built a new room for it.
2: What I don't understand is that they said, oh Oh, he also has a lot of information about this sector." I'm like, "Well, yeah, that kind of follows." But why would it be this sector of this one galaxy in you know because the fucking that's, infinite that's
3: universe? Because that's where the uh, the memory filled up.
1: I guess. He didn't bring a big enough SD card to take all those photos.
3: So, I guess when you go warp 10, instead of a straight line, you just kind of radiate outward from your, your starting position.
2: I don't think you even radiate. You don't have time. You're already everywhere, everywhere, all the time. At that moment, you're Look, you're you were everywhere. You are already ex- there. If
3: you expand the time scale wide enough, you can find the point of progression.
2: I guess if you're already everywhere at once, Paris Delight. <laughs>
1: I think the whole point of warp 10 is that it's a theoretical impossibility. There is no ramp up to it. Once you cross that point, you're already, it's already done. Yeah, you're there. It's done. It's happened.
2: Yeah. Boy, they really shit on Neelix this episode.
3: (laughs) And science.
2: Yep. (laughs) And the art of writing.
1: (laughs) And narrative structure. All right, so Paris sips his coffee and says, hey, this tastes like shit. Yeah. oh, it's, not well, just it's me. like, yeah. mine's fine. Maybe Neelix just hates you. I was like a Talaxian asshole. <laughs> so uh, eventually, uh, Paris uh, clutches his stomach and says, oh, my bowels, and falls down. <laughs> and then uh, when we pan down to him, somehow he's got blue Sharpie all over his forehead. He's got Chakotay disease. This us a into
2: Oh shit! <laughs> Quarantine the ship. We're all gonna become boring. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: and what do you know? Only the hologram's immune. <laughs> yeah, the doctor gets another snarky ass comment in here.
1: Yeah, so like, they get to the sick bay, and like, the doctor's like, "What the fuck did he eat?" And Solana says, "Neelix with coffee." oh well i'm i'm surprised he managed to survive at all or
2: it's a miracle he's still alive or something like that (laughs) jesus you never even had his coffee
1: shut up
3: nobody's treated the victims (laughs) all right
1: so let's bring on to the bad science here he's having an allergic reaction to Mm -hmm. water
4: say
0: the
1: water in the cup.
4: Specifically, the water that is in the coffee, not the water vapor that is in the air or the water that is him. 75% of his body. But just the water from specifically the coffee.
2: Well, I think that kind of starts, though, because he goes on. The doctor goes on this big rant about, Oh, now like all the things in his body, the liquids in his body are congealing, and he's no longer processing oxygen. And you know, all kind it would have been shit.
3: easier like start into this process that they would have just said, <laughs> "Well, suddenly he's allergic to coffee."
2: <laughs> well, I would. He would have just jumped out an airlock. I would have.
3: No, but I'm just <laughs> like you know. If he's never been allergic to coffee before and suddenly he's allergic to coffee, well something weird's going on without jumping as far as, well, water is toxic to him now.
1: But only for this scene. We're
3: gonna No no no, quickly. not toxic, an allergen. So give us a Benadryl. <laughs>
1: <laughs> give it an antihistamine.
3: But that's what a Benadryl is, Scott.
1: Yeah. I know. I was I was reading for Give him point. twenty cc's of like Allegra. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> I can breathe Alright, so speaking of breathing he's not breathing out of the air anymore, so Dr. Ricks the force field sucks out all the air and replaces it with like nitrogen and Febreze Because somehow he knows exactly what
4: the mix that he uh, needs to breathe yeah. somehow
3: Obviously the medical computer analyzed what the stuff in his lungs was looking for, you know the chemical compatibility and Came up with the solution.
1: Is it kind of weird that the doctor and the medical computer are two separate things? Yeah, yeah. But, okay, this this
2: could this could spiral off to a huge philosophical debate.
3: Oh, <laughs> well, it's not even that. It's just like it's one of those things you kind of have to just accept for like narrative function. Yeah, I not I I could see them being two separate. Things, But, like, you'd think that he would at least have direct link to it. right? Mentally. The same way Data just knows everything. Okay, well, so so the Doctor's not supposed to be here for real,
1: so the medical computer existing on its own makes sense. Right. And perhaps the Doctor's program is so complex, there's not room to integrate all that data into it as well.
3: And possibly trying to... Make something where the doctor is able to interface into the system directly with DC. Yeah, uh, apparently
1: they forgot to uh,
4: include uh, the API for it in the doctor's (laughs) programming. (laughs) Thank
2: you for that. I was going to say something like that, but I thought no, that's too nerdy.
4: (laughs) Oh, I know. The doctor's too name.
2: It's just too nerdy to
1: work with.
4: Yes. Are you are you saying that a comment could be too nerdy for this podcast that is about Star Trek? Well, no, you you you're totally again, as always, you're to completely right.
2: I'm just used to using the term. Oh, I'll just use an API to get that information and then people looking at me like I grew a third leg. So, yeah, I uh, I forget I where say I was
1: enhanced and I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um so what the hell is going on? Paris is grunting and making constipated faces, and they've like dribbled some glue on his forehead and painted it like veins. Um. <laughs> um, it's a lot of drama about medical stuff. He's blathering, the doctor's like, whatever. It's medical science. Yeah, I need to know what happened on that shuttle. Give me all the datas. All no, the data's, the data's on the other
3: show that's not on anymore. But you can see him in a movie.
1: Ooh. So Paris is dying, he thinks, and so he wants Kess to kiss him. And she's like, "Uh, Gross. no." Yeah, I like how she goes, "Oh, thank it's...
3: God
2: that that atmosphere is poisonous in there." Thank God, I have an excuse.
3: Also, like creepy, Paris wants the two year old to kiss him.
1: Well, well he got to do it. New. that was all season one. Well, then he's got <laughs> to do
3: it
0: now.
2: <laughs> he's got to do it now, or it's gonna be like you know, necro in a few minutes too so
1: i guess that love triangle is more of an acute triangle since you know one of the segments was so much smaller than the others <laughs> all right so um oh that's right paris dies
3: okay good show, and, guys. oh
4: they they were and then they removed all the uh Air from inside the force field and deactivated the force field, and somehow there isn't any uh, sudden decompression with a bunch of tape, with a bunch of stuff flying towards the
3: uh, maybe re- they just, towards
4: like, the uh, just now unsealed vacuum.
3: Maybe they left all the carbon dioxide in and just removed the other stuff.
2: Well, when they they made the force field, they put eighty percent nitrogen and then that other stuff, and they're just not oxygen. He couldn't process Blade. oxygen. Yeah, they put in a glade plug in there and it was fine. No, so there was atmosphere, it just wasn't breathable. Yeah, and and that,
4: so then they removed the atmosphere and just, deactivated the force field. No, they just, and,
3: they just removed the weird parts, so you know, it wasn't that much of a pressure differential. And given
2: what Kess looks like, if there's a, a, a air pressure change and made her ears pop, we all would have heard it.
1: <laughs> I think a funny, he just did the force field and the nitrogen cloud floated over on Kess and she just passes out immediately. <laughs> That would have been fabulous. But then All she right, so Paris is like, dead.
3: Oh, that was kind of nice.
1: <laughs> Paris is dead. Uh, right. Kess looks sad. The doctor says, uh, "By the way, we'll be cutting him open tomorrow. So uh, have a good night.
3: Be here bright and yeah. early."
1: Yeah, I'm clocking the fuck out. It's Miller time.
2: So again, so he's down here dying. Everyone knows that he's dying. It's a thing that he has. It's happening, and only Kes is there. They don't tell Bellana, The captain doesn't come <laughs> no, down. They I'm have sure. plenty well, of time. Well, Kes is
4: there. Well, yeah, the only people who are there are their jo- Are the people whose job it is to be there. Right, because they have to be.
1: But oh, Speaking of which, uh, so they couldn't beam Paris to sickbay because his DNA was changing or whatever. So they called medical to send a team in. Mm-hmm. Suddenly there's two other dudes in medical uniforms on this ship.
3: Well, two dudes well, in blue uniforms. I mean, there's no guarantee they're actual medical personnel. Yeah,
1: that's true. Well, why don't you send two science officers instead of security to carry a body? I don't know.
4: Look, I don't, I'm, I'm starting to think this episode isn't very good, okay? I mean, how about he actually... Named people who show up more than once are there besides the doctor who wear green uniforms and Voyager. That I thought that was the whole our... thing.
1: Is the the doctor and Kiss and Paris are the only medical personnel yeah. on board? Because apparently they went into space with like a family doctor, <laughs> <laughs> and whoops, we lost them. All right,
4: so. um, But yeah, I mean, you do not see many non-Dr.
1: Grinch uniforms on this. No. For a science vessel, Voyager does not have a lot of science officers. Nope. To be
4: fair, it was pretty much on a uh, shakedown flight.
1: Well, that's true. It would be mostly gold shirts then at that point.
3: I don't even know if it was a shakedown flight as such. It was just like a quick trip to the Badlands to uh, go find Tuvok.
1: Three-hour tour. Right. (laughs) They were on a side mission to pick up a new party member. And yeah,
4: and it's not. Yeah, this was just okay, a quick thing. This wasn't part of what
3: what. This wasn't part of any extended science. uh, Yeah, that's why they had one doctor and one nurse, and they both died when the. And no counselor. Yeah.
4: So at this
2: point, again, because we're
3: going to be out a few days.
2: And Starfleet's got to set, though. Okay, we have all these ships. Uh, who do we need to go to the Badlands for this dangerous mission? Oh, we know. A long-range science vessel. Okay, we're not going to send like an Akira class or anything like that that can actually hold itself in a fight. No, no, no. We're going to send a little intrepid class. It's fine. Its strengths will totally
1: match this mission parameter. Idiots. Well, the Doctor is uh, doing his homework in the dark. When he smells something. Uh-huh. Is somebody barbecuing on the ship and they didn't invite me? Yeah. So it's like, Is that Korean barbecue? Wait, was do amazing. I hear the Beastie Boys? <laughs> <laughs> well, in Star Trek later, yes. So uh, he starts exploring the sickbay to find out where is this mystery phenomenon coming from? And apparently it's from the corpse he left lying out on the table. Well, it has been a couple
2: of weeks. It's starting to smell.
3: Yeah.
1: I guess Voyager does not have a morgue.
3: You know, they can solve warp ten in a month, but it takes them a while to figure out what to do with the dead body.
1: Yeah. They don't have a replicator big enough to stuff it into. <laughs> they like shove into a shuttle and just tow it behind the ship. <laughs> like a wagon.
4: <laughs> Bring out your dead. <laughs> I no, here, here's the thing. They need to have a uh bot if they put it in a shuttle, they're not going to have a body tomorrow morning to uh run an autopsy <laughs> on. <laughs> problem solved
2: yeah but you get all those dead bodies out in space you're going to start like you know attracting space sharks and it gets really
1: gross but how are they going to find their way back to the Delta Quadrant if they don't leave a trail of breadcrumbs <laughs> <God>. dead crumbs
2: <laughs> gross or in this case chunks of hair from Tom Paris
1: yes it's a surprise he's alive and his X-Men has gotten much worse <laughs> So he scratches his head and pulls out a handful of hair and it up the doctor and says, "What is this?" That's, that's and the doctor hair. looks in her face like, "That's male pattern baldness. I recognize it." <laughs> 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 Don't worry, it's not fatal.
2: It you know maybe it's your love life, but so at this point, Tom Paris like evolves into a time lord because
0: yeah. now.
3: He's get-
2: Because now he's got two hearts.
1: Or Klingon.
3: Yeah, he could be becoming Klingon.
1: I like mine. Mine was nerdier. So what's going on with Paris? What is going
3: on with Paris?
1: Who gives a shit? He's (laughs)
3: changing rapidly.
1: Oh.
2: Third puberty. The mystical third puberty.
3: Yeah, he's losing hair in all kinds of weird places now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He has no hair where he had hair before.
4: (laughs)
3: I do like that you went with
4: the myth, mis, with the mythical third puberty because the second puberty is <laughs> kind of interesting.
2: Well, surely you know about second puberty. Is it like a hobbit
4: thing or? <laughs> second breakfast. Lamb bread. I'm how, no, That The second puberty is what happens when you uh, go on HRT
1: after first puberty. Ah, I see. Well, then third puberty be about menopause or something, right? Look, I, I'm just saying,
4: I like the second puberty a whole lot better than the first one. Yeah. <laughs> Understandable.
1: Well, liking any puberty at all is probably unusual. <laughs> cause puberty kind of sucks. <laughs>
3: Well, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe it is better the second time you go through it, since you have a better idea what to expect out of it. Right, <laughs> you're prepped for it. Charlie. Okay, yeah, I know try. what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know where all the good jokes are now, and you know, mm-hmm. you know when it's a safe time to get up and go to the bathroom.
2: <laughs> you know when you have that very fun dream that you need a paper towel afterwards. <laughs> Perfectly natural.
4: The paper. Usually, a paper towel for that seems kind of rough. <laughs> well, uh, I guess we know enough. how Scott likes it.
2: <laughs> Sometimes I go down to like to a sixty grit. You know, so that's nice and smooth.
3: <laughs> that's about yeah, that's about, that's about the consistency of the toilet paper I have.
2: <laughs> you got to pull that. That sounds like, like the uh, whatever
1: deep Kleenex that they have at work. <laughs> See, that's why you need to work a place with nice Kleenex, like I do. Yeah, that's true, because that's like your industry standards. To <laughs> so, blow my nose at work, it's like a dream. <laughs> it's like just honking right into a baby's stomach.
3: <laughs> I've I'm done that before. You... <laughs> it's pretty nice.
1: The hesitation was beautiful, by the way. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Look, there's, there's were you practicing that... something that totally would be an intro quote if we were still doing <laughs> podcast next week? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, you know, that. You know, Fort Max raises a good point. <laughs> I mean, we're pretty free to say anything we want now because there will not be an intro quote after this show. Yeah. Well, I'll also... say that the toilet paper Angel Soft
1: had the picture of a baby on it. A dead baby, mind you. True, true. And it's implying that the toilet paper is just as soft as a dead baby. Which especially after they start to liquefy a little bit, they are like buttery smooth. It's the whole hibber is just like wiping your shit on a baby's corpse. (laughs) This is why I always buy that brand now.
2: (laughs) So this is why I've been friends with Hey Mickey for like almost thirty years. (laughs)
0: Uh,
3: that's why I've been friends with Hey Mickey for probably going on ten years.
1: Uh, no, we've got tenure. You can never get rid of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where the fuck were we?
3: Um, excellence.
0: I
1: think I think I think Eric Trump is about to contact some bad guys. Okay, so the doctor is going on and on about like you know, he's growing organs and atrophying them and and blah blah blah. He's becoming erratic, erotic. No. No. So,
3: the thing that kind of, like, bugs me here, so earlier in the episode, they set up the the enzymatic imbalance in his brain as a thing. Yes. Yes. And then Janeway specifically asks, is this the result of the enzymatic imbalance you were worried about? No, not at all. And then... It's like, what was even the point of that whole thing? Like, why would you set that up and then immediately dismiss that? Like, you could, uh Oh, yeah. see? They, yep. Yeah,
4: I'd, why I even see, have that there? Well, they, they had some stuff that could
3: have, uh... Explained things a lot better than, you know, millions of, yeah. millions of advanced evolution. Yeah, because <laughs> apparently they were going to have some stuff about how, oh, evolution
4: might always doesn't always go to more advanced things. And other stuff that could have set up st- instead of suddenly, oh, now they're salamanders.
3: I mean, you know, ride off the enzymatic imbalance and say, well, that just triggered a runaway mutation chain in his DNA. The thing is, though, this makes... See, up... but,
4: then, but then they wouldn't be able to have
3: Janeway go
4: in to become a salamander unless she also happened to have that same enzymatic
3: imbalance. <laughs> oh my god. I'm aware, but I'm just, I'm trying to <laughs> find a way where this could have been a better show. I know we're like a <clears> season <throat> and a half too late for that, <laughs> but I can't not. You know, uh, we're a hundred episodes show?
4: too late for that. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And now you're very, very quiet. <laughs>
2: He's a very tiny man who's far away.
3: <laughs> I, I think you may have broken your microphone. Yeah, he's got an enzyme imbalance or something. He can't go.
2: Well, I was not the thing's fault. I was like, no, I made that shit up earlier. Hey, Mickey went warp 10. Now he's everywhere around us. We're not hearing him through the headsets anymore. He's
4: everywhere around us except for close to his microphone.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, I wonder if he can hear us.
2: Uh, I don't know. I
3: think he may have broken his headset a little bit putting it in his mouth.
2: <laughs> his mouth.
3: Well, Mickey's uh. gone. Uh, I assume he's in the process of evolving into a salamander. <laughs> he will return in a couple days and then take Fort Max with him to also evolve into a salamander. Congratulations, Fort Max. You're now Janeway. But with a guy?
2: <laughs> <laughs> like that's the concern.
4: <laughs> okay. Oh. Um, Better? no Did you manage to turn the volume down by when you had it in your mouth?
1: Apparently, somehow. Yeah, did you yeah, did you tongue sound...
3: the volume knob? Well there's not a volume knob.
4: Okay. Well it's way on the back
2: of the thing, so he probably could reach it. You sound tiny and far away. So like normal.
3: Well, we're going back to the roots of the podcast. Mickey's having inexplicable audio problems. (laughs) Everything really does come full circle if you go far enough, which is how Warp (laughs) 10 can take you to every point in the universe at once. (sighs) Yes, we're going back to that conversation while we wait for Mickey to sort himself out.
2: Yeah, well, he just said for us to
4: carry on. I think this was just an excuse for him to... uh, to
2: Starting now, the
3: part
4: of Hey Mickey will be played by Paladin. (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> hey Mickey just canned out on us
0: it's no fair if he can escape what about the rest of us
3: look I know where you people live
0: well yeah you could come out and visit that'd be awesome
3: <laughs> except for the part where I have to be in California
2: yeah yeah I'm gonna be careful you might get some might get some <laughs> might get some sunshine <laughs>
3: Somebody might bless huh. me to help them California Is California still
4: on fire, by the way?
2: No, it's calmed down a little bit, thank goodness. A little bit? <clears throat> yeah. There's less fire.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so is Mickey coming back or
2: Well he said carry on, so I don't know what that means.
3: Right, that's I'm not really sure either. And the last thing I want to do is actually follow his instructions if I can help it.
2: Right, right. Well, I mean, so if he's instructing
3: all... us to carry on, but he also thinks he's going to come back, I'm all in favor of just like stalling this out until he comes back, so that he has to pick up right where he left off when he, uh, inadvisably, put his microphone down his throat. <laughs> I think that's actually the problem. He swallowed his microphone, and what we've been hearing oh is my God, you're trying to right. regurgitate it. Okay, what about now? <laughs> there you there go. You got it. Go. I figured out what it was. You well, swallowed that... your microphone and then had to <laughs> had to hawk it back up. No, uh, the foam
1: on the microphone part got wet and was blocking noise. Oh, so you so had to pull the, it out.
3: Yeah, you took the foam off.
1: <laughs>
3: it was all worth it.
1: It's not superhero time unless something goes stupidly wrong.
3: Yeah, I think I said that a couple minutes ago.
1: I know, but I'm saying it now, so it's better.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> well, good. Well, we stalled this out uh, long enough for you to come back, so you can pick up right where you left off.
1: Okay, so Janeway visits Paris, and he looks gross, and she says, yes, you're disgusting.
2: Wait, no, 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 you're you're skipping over a very important key part of this episode. Yeah, let's
1: rewind it back into the 40 minutes and try this again.
2: <laughs> oh, no, it's just like two minutes behind. There's like this little interstitial scene. Well, what is it? It's the, okay, because well, it's, really, it's right after Tom Paris comes back alive, and they start- Get saying, to and, it! And then- <laughs> <laughs> look here you i don't think you really have any lord <laughs> jeff yes to put people forward on plot so yeah we have uh we have ensign eric trump who's like in some secret compartment in oh, uh in voyager that. yes who's sending a message to the kazon trying to give them the secrets of the warp 10
3: well 1st going to get a carburetor
1: why is that scene there it has nothing to do with anything
3: because there's a subplot this season about that person betraying Voyager to the Kazon,
1: but it has nothing to do with this story and doesn't advance the story of the Kazon either.
3: Well, the it's to of remind this, you that hey, this guy on. is still this traitor. He's still a traitor. Neelix eventually kills him, so it's okay.
2: What? He feeds him coffee. <laughs> okay. Sorry. All right. Now, now we're back on track. Now we're back to like you know the. Alpha Plot.
1: Alpha Plotrant. <laughs> Ugh.
2: Yeah, so the doctor is saying stuff like, oh, his DNA's rewriting itself and I don't know what to do. Okay. <laughs> Does this have anything to do with the thing before? No. Can you stop it? No.
1: Good job, Doc. So at this point, uh, Paris looks like chapped lips with the skin peeling off. Mm -hmm. Except his whole body. And uh, your grandfather after a couple years of the nursing home. (laughs) Yeah. The bad one. The bad one, not the good one. The bad grandfather? Yeah. Yes. Okay. In the bad bad home. Okay. And for some reason, Paris has involved one eye to be blind. Because that's helpful. That's how evolution works, y'all. I thought
3: it was the third eye that was blind.
2: Uh, No, it was... You're thinking can you kick yourself downtime. from the call
3: for that? <laughs> <laughs> I I can I can split the difference and kick all of you from the call.
1: <laughs> oh no, please don't do that. Not in the briar patch. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the Sona are.
2: <laughs> also, they went to the effort to make it where the side of Paris's head pulsates. I didn't notice that until just now.
1: There's like an air bladder or something making the, the side of his head pulse. So, um... Gross. Has the doctor officially diagnosed this as evolution yet? No. Okay. Well, let's just go ahead and address it. We already know it. Um
3: This is not how evolution works.
1: Well, and, and the doctor might... says as
3: much when he does explain the problem.
1: Well, the doctor seems to imply that, um... Ultimately, that this is the natural cor- this is a natural course of human evolution is to evolve into a salamander.
3: It's not um, written especially well. Big surprise, I know. Uh, but like the underpinning of it seems to be like this is a possible path of evolution to take.
2: But that's, that's not a how meaningless statement. Even
1: works. Yeah, that's a meaningless statement.
2: You know, it's just such a
1: evolution it... works by gradually adapt or uh, keeping the traits that are beneficial. And the ones that aren't beneficial die off.
3: Well, in Tom Paris's case, all the non beneficial traits were being Tom Paris. <laughs> <laughs> it was more
1: evolutionally en- advantageous to be a salamander. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You cannot argue against that. <laughs> that is incontrovertible. But what's the environmental. Is that
4: en- even a word?
1: <laughs> yeah, incontrovertible.
2: I Means you can't that? be controverted. Yeah. Have you ever been controverted? I didn't think so. Well, I had a rental car once. Well, <laughs> was that was a controvert? Yeah. Was it con-, con was it controvertible? <laughs> <laughs> Did you like the hair, the wind moving through your hair? Oh yeah. Now I do like I do like this scene though. He's like yelling and bitching at Janeway, like just because he's gone crazy. And then the middle of one of his rants, he starts choking and wharfing. And he
3: pulls out his tongue. Yeah, that always bugged me. And then
2: it. he smiles at everybody. <laughs> What's what that about? <sighs>
1: and so I guess like he's just keeping his tongue in his mouth for safekeeping for the rest of the episode? No, oh, I, oh. no
3: I think uh, that's just <clears throat> the actor trying to pretend he doesn't have a tongue.
1: Well, maybe he shouldn't have opened his mouth so much. <laughs> That's true. That's pretty much a good blanket. Oh like, yeah,
4: rest of the episode, it looked like he was desperately trying to hide his tongue from the camera. Yeah,
1: and it worked so poorly. You question why they wrote it to begin with. Uh
4: huh.
1: I'm like, it'd been more believable if he did like the whole like, look, I'm separating my thumb from my finger trick. Instead, <laughs> <laughs> so they're like on the ground, like holding his feet like a toddler.
2: It's so weird looking. But they yeah, get him he, in some
3: He doesn't seem to be taking a decline in uh, you know, his mental capacities. I know it's hard yeah. to tell.
1: Okay, now one thing I love about how terrible the scene is here is that the doctor and cast are like, Science, science, medicine doctor. <laughs> yes, medicine science doctor doctor. <laughs> the parasol in the corner going,
2: Help me <laughs> They're
1: like, What <laughs> now? Yeah, can't you, can't you see we're busy trying to figure you out and how to save you? <laughs> I am trying to write a medical paper on you. I can't be bothered with your bedpan. <laughs> like, even Cass he... doesn't give a shit out him at this point. Well, yeah, he's already dead, so... She's just got that look on her face like, Oh, this is fascinating. This is absolutely <laughs> fascinating. I don't know,
2: has Belana even been down here yet to this point? We haven't even seen Belana
1: come down here yet. No, but this is before they started hate-fucking, so... Oh, Okay.
3: That's at least a season and a half away, I think. I see. Something like that.
1: So, this is before per- the writers love. They had to ship some characters together. Yeah.
2: You know that I I would normally like disagree with your use of that terminology, but in this case,
1: it's just that's pretty much what it is. Because they're on a ship. Get it? Yeah, I I get it. Ugh. See, it has two meanings. And the doctor
2: has the stupidest plan too. Oh my god.
3: At this point, though, I mean, does it really say anything to qualify anything that happens as any form of stupid? I think at this point we've really we've crossed the threshold of stupid. <laughs> we are now at stupid factor ten. Where and...
1: stupid exists at all points, the episode. <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> yeah.
2: No point is any more or less stupid than any others because it's all stupid.
3: Yeah, see, originally, the beginning of the episode was not so stupid, but when they crossed the stupid threshold, it retroactively (laughs) went and turned the rest of it equally as bad, so you know.
1: I think that's how the JJ-verse happened, too. The Doctor's plan, um, which I'm not convinced he actually believes is going to work, I think he just wants to do it anyway. (laughs) Just to see if it, see what happens. See what happens. As, uh, He wants to use an extreme amount of radiation to melt Paris' DNA away and leave just the good bits left. You know, like you get a box of uh, mixed nuts and you just like pull out all the Brazil nuts and throw them away. Right.
2: Well, you use an atomic blast to blow out just the Brazil nuts.
4: (laughs) Yeah. This is like... And hope that somehow the good DNA... And that somehow, naturally, the good DNA is going to replace all the dna that isn't there anymore because that's the dna that, that
1: is now liquid goo yeah that, right yeah
3: that's uh that makes sense this is
1: like extreme chemo i like to think that this episode would happen like another three or four seasons later instead of firing anti-protons it'd be anti oh
3: no nanoprobes oh uh, well that too yeah, yeah. oh yeah
1: yeah nanoprobes yeah Nanoprobes using the chronotons.
3: have the nanoprobes programmed to restore the
4: DNA to its original state
1: <laughs> using,
4: which <clears throat> makes more sense than what they do here
1: yeah
3: yeah like this the is, doctor they just
4: have... oh we kill all the DNA, we kill the DNA, which somehow uh oh, the cells are going to be just fine
1: this plan is like you know you've got a subway sandwich. And it's got mold on good. some of it. And you're going to cure the sandwich by getting a handgun and shooting off the mold and letting the rest of the sandwich fill back up again. Yeah. I'm on board. When I, when I get
2: onions in my sandwich, that's how I deal with it.
3: <laughs> so the doctor also says they have an hour maximum to actually like carry out this plan before there's not enough of Paris' DNA left to even try. Uh bear that in mind as it flies directly in the face of five minutes later in the episode.
1: Mm-hmm. So they wheel Paris down to the engineering in uh <laughs> Neelix's old lung tube. <laughs> <laughs> and so they start to work on him and then um he gets all sex nut strong. Uh Paris must mate <laughs> And he busts open this duranium-tritanium-old-chewing-gum-composed tube, Mm-hmm. kills everyone in engineering, Mm-hmm. and then escapes into the ship, which conveniently can't track him because he shot up the panels or whatever. He shot the monitors at the computers, which blows up the computers. Yes. Just I like don't... in
2: DS9. Right. So, again, it's one of those things where there's this action happening, and we don't get to see any of it.
3: Uh-huh. Well, no, we get to see a little of it. Because
2: that's when I watch – when I watch TV – no, we, we when I watch TV, I want to be told what happens on the screen. I don't want to be shown what happens on screen. Well, no, but that's, you're watching TV,
3: and you get to watch the Doctor and Kess watching TV while they <laughs> see what happens. Yeah,
1: they, they see that,
4: oh, he shot the camera, and somehow that's knocked out. Well, and I can understand them having low, being all low power because they had to shut down, uh, like the, the warp, warp dry, core. Yeah. So not only do we disappoint but get apparently that's the
3: only power source that they have.
2: So not only do we get disappointment, we get it secondhand.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the warp core is the main power source of the ship, but they do have backup generators. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, they've got uh, Kim on a bicycle rigged up to a chain. Yeah,
3: that's <laughs> uh, that's how they fly the ship at impulse power. So
2: again, now that's another thing about this. If we understand now, Jane, just walking around. They have an alien life form, a deadly li- alien life form. So they have Janeway walk around the ship by herself. Uh, she's putting her phaser
1: away. <sighs> okay, so. Paris ambushes her, and she falls maybe f- three feet, four feet into the turbo lift shaft or in, in the turbo lift whatever, and immediately falls unconscious. Yes, she falls on her back, which happens all the time.
2: Yeah, like yeah,
1: it just pushed her falls unconscious from falling over. I've tripped and I'm like, ow, that hurts. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> if I'm being attacked, I'm certainly going to be staying more alert than that. Okay. Like, did, like, Mulgrew decide, no, I'm not crashing into the walls of this thing. I'm just going to lay down softly. You can just pretend that I got knocked out. <laughs> right. Fix it in editing. I'll act like I got hurt, because I am an actor. <laughs> You want me to do my Russian accent in this scene? No.
3: (laughs) If you were JK, that's not necessary.
1: (laughs) All right. So, Quasimodo grabs his bride. I am not an animal. Drags her uh, to the top of the cathedral of the shuttle bay. And sets off at warped 10. Zoom.
2: Yeah, I like how Chakotay's, like disbelief that the, there's a shuttle leaving. What? He acts like it's like the craziest thing he's ever heard. Would Why would leave the shuttle at the door? door? We're trying to
1: find Paris. <laughs> we need every man looking for Paris. We don't need one leaving.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stupid. And somehow, yes, he can't, you know, Kim can't prevent him from taking the shuttle for some reason.
3: Why didn't they just lock the the
1: door? The tractor beams are conveniently down.
3: I guess they need warp power to work.
1: Or Paris happened to shoot the monitor connected to them. Yeah. Right. Also, I like that uh, Kim comments that someone's depressurizing the shuttle bay. Is that even necessary in Star Trek? Well, Jimmy no. gave the same
3: instruction earlier in the episode, so whoever wrote this thought it was. They didn't
2: even have to do that in the '60s, did they? I mean, yeah, they did. Did they? Yeah. They didn't have force fields. Oh, okay.
1: Oh God, this episode. All right, so shuttle takes off. Voyagers in hot pursuit, kind of <laughs> tepid pursuit. Voyager cranks up to nine point <laughs> nine four. Is it? And it starts rolling around like a Ford with a bad alignment. <laughs> so every Ford. Uh-huh. You've driven a Ford before. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I see you have experienced it. We do get like half a second though the view of what warp ten looks like, and it looks it's just like rainbow flavored warp speed.
4: Uh our I'm not sure that that's actually intentional, that that's intentional and not just rainbowing from it being from a composite video. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's, that's, again, that's an excellent point. Okay. Yeah.
4: Because, I mean, if that's a Warp 10 effect, then the Deep Space Nine is going at Warp 10 in half of the episodes during the opening.
0: You're not wrong.
4: <laughs>
1: Alright, so Paris escapes to Warp 10 and the Doctor says, oh, he's evolving. Well, it took them three whole days to find the shuttle. Yeah. Ooh. Because he existed everywhere in the universe simultaneously, so he got a full three days away. Yep.
2: Yeah, so this is where the Doctor is basically just fucking with Tuvok and Chakotay, giving them like like 19th century creationist version of what evolution is. <laughs> it's like, this isn't even like Lamarckian evolution, you know?
3: You know, it occurs to me if the situation had been completely different, like say they were going to write Paris out of the show entirely, this would have been a great way to do that. Like, he takes the Warp 10 shuttle to Warp 10 and they just never see him again.
1: Oh, God, that'd be wonderful. Or like if he started developing psychic powers and send it to a higher plane only to come back even angrier.
3: Yeah, except this time... And he then come years even... later, he got arrested for meth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I can't top that.
1: All right, so yes, he has evolved into humanity's top form, the mighty salamander.
3: It's a big salamander, though.
1: It is pretty big. It's a big
4: salamander, and... they made two of those. Well actually or five of them.
1: Well, yeah, I guess they did.
4: You know they made made at least one animatronic big one. Another big one that had a <laughs> could have a person in it. And they were on screen for little, how long?
3: And three more little ones they could pull on a string. Well oh, oh, no, Citizen, no. the ones that they pulled on
4: a string were like was like a sock were like socks filled with sand. <laughs>
1: That's what a boob feels like, right? <laughs> a bag
4: of wet sand?
2: Yeah, pretty yeah. much.
3: Well, when they I'd have
4: implants, they... yeah. <laughs> if they're implanted with wet sand, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Silicone <laughs> is pretty much sand, isn't it?
2: Ugh, no. So is glass.
1: Oh. So, like, tits are like glass, oh. right? How <laughs> straight people weird. Oh, God. Yeah, straight people are weird. <laughs> well, I guess lesbians, too.
3: Yeah, no. I'm sorry. I'm just imagining a glass boob implant now. Yeah. <laughs> Ping, bonk, bonk. Is it is it cold in here? Is it just no? No. See that?
4: Either that or it, that's just what uh, the make what the characters from Land of
1: the Lustrous feel like. Oh shit! what if you get the glass implant and fill it full of neon gas? <laughs> <laughs> and your tits like light up like bright blue or pink. That'd be awesome. Fierce. <sighs>
3: And then you know, there's somebody who would have like um, Lexan implants, so they're bulletproof. <laughs> well, I think I'm thinking of making making
2: them out of the uh, those uh, those lightning globes, like you see in bad sci-fi shows. Oh
3: yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> like Spencer's gifts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Even like
2: <laughs> yeah, my name was Spencer.
1: <laughs> or many versions of that
4: uh, one neon uh, uh, ball from. Uh... Just about every 90s Sentai series. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what
1: Redis looks like underneath those cones. <laughs> Calm your tits, madam. I can't. They're ionized. <laughs> They're giving me a headache. <laughs> <laughs> the buzzing. Okay, so um, we find the giant axolotls there on the beach. Yeah. Um, in three days, mind you. Uh-huh. Paris has managed to bed Janeway, and they've given birth to three children.
2: Okay, so what now, i understand, so so wait, wait, okay, so we see the two giant salamanders, mm-hmm. Jacode and and no name guy, beam down, uh, and I think two vox there.
3: Oh, I, I, that's what you were calling no
2: name guy.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, name? No. I just
2: don't understand this. And the two big salamanders, they look up, the blinking, the the special effects are actually pretty decent. Um, and then he just well, they're shoots actually the fuck they're actual
4: physical things.
2: Yeah, and he just shoots them and kills them.
4: I mean, he there's stuns, no words. There's, no...
2: there's nothing. He just zaps them with a the fucking phaser, but he doesn't know if that would harm them or not.
1: I mean, nothing. And stun
2: stun, stun.
1: It's not even necessary to stun them either. You could just beam them up. They're not gonna run away. I mean, yeah, what are they I gonna mean, do? Run?
3: I mean, think about how many phaser stuns Jordy took, and he was fine. <sighs> I think these can survive one shot each.
2: They have this really kind of creepy thing. It's like, I don't know which one's Janeway. And Tiffa's like, oh, well, the female one. And Chicago just looks at him like, you pointy-eared fucking <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's when the three pop their heads out of the dirt. Okay, that's fucked up.
3: It's not uh, even actually the kids. The, the, the kids aren't even there. They just, like, stopped along the way and stole three children from somewhere.
1: Yeah. foster kids. Yeah. <laughs> Their parents' salamanders got arrested for dealing meth to kiss.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, they slip into the water right into a trailer home. So, okay. So, Paris evolved into the salamander over, what, two, three days? Yeah, something like that. How did Janeway catch up to him so fast?
2: Well, she's a woman. She's better at that stuff. Oh, uh, she matures faster than boys. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> right, right. Third puberty. <laughs>
1: so stupid so uh, as they watch their children swim away they sort of look at each other and go like eh let them go
2: they've earned it I mean I do not want to like have to deal with that plot point anymore so let's just let them go
1: I'd like to see them get child support from us when we're 30 light years away <laughs> Tom Paris deadbeat dad of the galaxy So let's make all of this even weirder by pushing the magic reset button and putting them back to human.
4: When, uh, let's see, what was it? Uh, two days and 23 hours earlier uh, is when Paris would have uh, not had enough uh, original DNA left to be turned back. Yeah,
3: transporters. Transporters. They never say that, though.
2: Yeah, well it wouldn't have helped any even if they did.
1: It might have made things stupider.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See that the problem with that is it would re- require uh the transporter being used to solve a problem that wasn't caused by transporter in the first place.
3: Yeah, that's very rare in Star Trek.
4: hmm Maybe they used the holodeck to fix it. Yeah, like, maybe all us they
2: are in the holodeck, and that's just what they—they—they've hologrammed themselves to look like humans again.
3: I mean, there was that one time they used the transporter to put Pulaski's makeup back on her. Oh god, <laughs> that's the only—that only pretty good practical effects. That's the only incident <laughs> that really stands out. <laughs> so yeah, just just to end the episode on the most awkward note possible, Janeway sits down next to Paris while they're in their you know surgical gowns or whatever, and like, you know, I've thought about having kids over the years. Never figured it would be with you though.
1: Like Hugh Lafrance, Freaks Frank, ever?
2: Yeah, and Tom Paris is like, yeah, sorry about raping you as an animal. And she's like, oh, how do you know? How, how do you know I didn't rape you? Well, because she's the woman, right? Well, as you yeah. said, well, some species that do it. Well, what about this very specific species of
1: salamander? Oh my God! Yeah, you know, they actually didn't. You know, even address like which one of them actually gave birth. <laughs> yeah. What if they're like seahorse salamanders? Right. <laughs> yeah. Tom Paris kind of coughs a little bit and goes, and just like an egg that pops out.
2: I won't tell if you won't wink. <laughs> Don't give this to Elix, he'll make an omelet out of it. <laughs> Be better than his coffee.
3: <laughs> <laughs> freeze frame, laugh track, ends, end show.
1: Can we end the podcast like that? No, how do you do a freeze frame in audio? Do you just like, like and... make a noise, and make it stutter forever? <laughs>
3: Yeah, Ken was here.
0: <laughs>
3: so I like how at the very end of this, they, they basically
2: recap everything we just watched. So I went War 10, and then I started evolving, and then I died. And then,
1: yeah, thank you for the fucking recap of the show we just watched. This speech is probably the worst thing in the entire episode of Worst Things. It, it is the most – this is the lesson I've learned this week. Maybe it's not about my fame. Maybe I need to learn something about myself. That true strength comes from within. It, also, it, that if I had listened to you. And in Janeway the first... says, You know, you might be right.
3: And also, that if I had listened to you in the first place, it would have been Harry Kim that went through all that instead of me.
1: Right. No one would have. Heard.
2: Yeah, and Janeway shudders the thought of having sex with Harry Kim, even in a different form. <laughs> she really starts throwing up on the side of the med bag.
4: No, I mean. Yeah, I don't know. Harry Kim is just kind of there.
1: Yeah, it's not that the thought of having sex with Harry He's Kim He's like is a asking.
4: slightly less boring Chakotay somehow.
1: It's more of the thought is just confusing. Like, you're suggesting to have sex with a chair? How does that yeah. work? <laughs> I don't get it. It depends right. what shape it's the, the chair is, to be honest.
2: I am not sitting down in your <laughs> house. <laughs> What's this liver do? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, the the very the whole wrap up is just ridiculous too. So it is. It was like a snap your fingers and everyone's back to human and everything's fine. I mean, what a fucking reset!
4: I mean, they couldn't even like show the salamander things being on a ship because
3: they made all those they made those sal those physical prop salamanders, which probably only looked like salamanders in that low light they shot them in.
4: Yeah. But only, but I mean, those have to be some of the most complex props for things that were on screen less than a minute.
2: Yeah. They oh, wasted all that
1: money for that.
2: I wonder what else they used them on. I, I'm sure they're like, there's like some documentary they did, like, you know, they <laughs> borrowed from some other. No, no, they were made for this episode. Oh, that's terrible. Well, I mean, the writers are expensive, so when you have to make the choice <laughs> between writers and props. The audience wants spectacle, not writing. Yeah. <sighs> Nerds. So there it was. That was that one episode of Star Trek.
3: Well, that one episode of Voyager.
2: which Also is that also was Star that episode Trek. Of Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. That was all of it. We did it. We won. We beat it. We beat Star Trek.
3: Did we? Did we?
2: Or did Star Trek watch. beat us? Well, oh, considering I never want to watch Star Trek ever again.
3: <laughs> right?
1: It's just kind of a shame. Uh, that, like, until didn't...
2: next week? Yeah, until next week.
1: We didn't end the podcast with like a, there being like an evil clone of XV from another podcast.
3: I and am like... the evil clone of XV. I've been yeah. here for eight years.
1: Yeah. And then like we we find uh and He
3: is from another podcast. Yeah. We find
1: a disassembled, retarded version of Scott on a planet. Ha.
3: No, we no we Scott. Uh I we
4: mean, we already got the uh, gender swapt fort max. <laughs>
2: Upgrade. Yeah. <laughs>
3: But what did Hey Mickey learn along the way?
1: Nothing. He already knew
3: I didn't have everything. anything to learn. Right, yeah, exactly. That was great the way I was. Yeah, I'm just not sure who that makes you in the grand scheme.
2: Picard, because Picard never learned anything. Yeah.
1: I learned to love dune buggies. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, you don't learn that until after the show.
1: And some Mm -hmm. unsafe velocities. Those are the best velocities. Especially
2: when they're Warp 10. (sighs) you get a Warp 10
1: in a dune buggy? You know what we did? We watched all of Star Trek the Animated Series.
3: We did, and we podcasted Uh, about it, too.
1: Yeah. Which I'm still going to claim we're the only podcast to ever do that.
3: Seems like a safe bet.
1: And not one that I'm going to bother to research.
3: Right, because that would just ruin it.
1: And that would be effort.
3: Look, the point is, you know that we're the only podcast that's ever talked about all of Star Trek the Animated Series. You don't need to research it because you know it's the truth.
2: Yeah. I'm going to put that on my resume
1: from now on.
3: Researching it just acknowledges the possibility that you could be wrong, which just is unfathomable.
1: Well, all researching would do is uncover more evidence of how right I am, and that's just arrogant. Oh, right. <laughs> that's just, yeah, yeah. That's
3: yeah, just you're, overkill. You're, you're practicing humility, and that's good. Yes. It's
1: like, yeah, I know I'm right. I don't need to prove it. Right. <laughs> that would make you feel bad.
3: This is why Hey Mickey and I can stay friends.
1: Because we're both equally deluded?
3: Yes. <laughs> In very similar ways. Uh,
2: entertaining ones, so that's okay. But in
3: not the same, but in
4: but, uh, not so much similar that you just hate each other's uh, guts to the point where uh, you don't want to be together at all.
3: We didn't say that. Assumes facts, not in evidence. Yeah, do you really think they're ever going
2: to speak to each other after this night? No.
3: Well, I mean, they're certainly not reading the gun. Skype with him ever again.
1: Mm-hmm. Scott, tell Fort Max to tell XV that I'm done with him. <laughs>
3: hey, Fort Max, could you
4: tell
1: <laughs> XV that he's done with him?
4: Hey, XV,
3: Scott's done with you. <laughs> this is the worst game of telephone ever. Hey, Mickey, can you ask Scott to ask Fort Max why Scott is done with me?
1: <laughs> Fort Max, uh, XV wants to know why Scott is done with me. You know. Oil.
2: (laughs) I'm not even talking to myself anymore.
3: Well, that's been Superhero Time Presents, that one episode of Star Trek. Thanks for being with us for the last hundred episodes over probably... Two and a half years, considering all the breaks we take. Woo! And for those of you who have joined us ever since we started this back in 2010, what the hell is wrong with you? How are you still what the on- hell is wrong with us? You're free. You're free. Fly, my pretties. Fly. Are you talking to us or the audience? Everybody. Oh.
1: We'd like to thank our listener.
3: Yep. Hi, Engineer you Nerd. Did. Now you join did. us
4: next week for regular superhero time, Generation
1: 2. Brought to you by the magic of the Cybernet Space Cube.
3: This has been Superhero Time with XV. You think you got bad? The rest of us have been here for eight years.
1: Hey Mickey. We're the best Star Trek podcast. Paladin.
3: Everybody needs more Lockjaw.
1: Fort Max.
4: God, we've been doing this for eight years.
2: Ken. Ah! J.D. Church
4: Hey, Mickey, will you will you do my funeral, though, if I
3: die? Scott We're the best podcast
2: of Star Trek
3: <laughs> And the rest When J.D. dies, do you guys think he will take a week off, or is it just carry on as usual? Great job, Chief Rodriguez uh, <laughs> What does it do? I don't know, man. It looks nice <laughs> Barry, or, you know, Barricade64, if you follow him on Twitter hello god damn it Barry calm the fuck down it's time for the god bless cunting hour
4: well Beetle, I'm glad you enjoyed my uh grilled cheese with syrup
1: Don's not a pedophile he's repeatedly told me that and I believe him <laughs> let me account of your sins babe
4: also can a butt
1: yeah
3: they fill those pages with words don't they please be kind what's wrong with kissing
2: your dead grandmother's
4: <laughs> I did it and I'm happy I did it <laughs>
1: No, I'm not drunk. I'm drinking, but it's also not us. It's it's Lord Taco. That's at Lord Taco on Twitter.
3: Oh, <laughs> surprise!